0: An unsuccessful attempt at becoming a professional tennis player was probably one of the best things that happened to Silver Ferns netball legend Margaret Martinger. The Cook Islands-born shooter was recently back in New Zealand to attend the funeral of her former Ferns teammate, Marg Forsyth, which brought back a lot of memories for the 65-year-old. Her father had big ambitions for her after she beat the Cook Islands tennis champ at just 14 and sent her to Auckland when she was 17 to get professional coaching. Speaking from Rarotonga, Matinga told Bridget Tunnicliffe tennis was her main sport growing up, but netball was also in the mix. I played the two uh, together.
1: I, I was strong in both of them. Um, and I played both of them um, in, at school. So, um, so it was good because the netball and athletics were, were done in school. So, so we, we played the netball in, uh, in primary school and right through to college. Uh, While at college, I played netball for the club. But tennis, uh, we played that more in the um, in the clubs. So when I was in, when I started college, I played in our uh, in our club, and and of course I got into the into the A grade for the women's um, tennis team. At the tender age of uh, 13, 13, 14, 12, yeah.
2: Didn't you, um, I think you were telling me that you beat the Cook Islands tennis
1: champion when you were 14 or something like that? Something like that, 13, 14. um, I played singles uh, with one of the ladies that went to the South Pacific Games in 1963 and Well, she was winning the the competition in Rarotonga at the time. So so beating her um, when I was still at school, um, that was an achievement. But I didn't feel it at the time. Uh, But my dad said, oh, look, you know, you've just beaten the champion. I think I'll send you over to Auckland, New Zealand, and um, take off from there uh, with tennis
2: And your dad showed you a documentary of Yvonne Gullagong, the Australian tennis crate, the first Indigenous Australian to achieve success in tennis on the world stage. Your dad had great
1: hopes for you, didn't he? He did. It was actually a movie. It was a documentary uh, shown at the cinema Mm. in in Rarotonga, and um, he took me along and we watched it and um, he said, look, uh, that lady's got two eyes, two hands, two legs. You know, the same as you, and I think you can make it like her. So, um, <laughs> but at the time, Bridget, it was um, like like I was, I was too, for for to get professional tennis overseas, you'd have to start at the age of five six, and um, mm. and I was at college at the time, and uh, had I been through. Coaching in Rarotonga it might have made a difference. But I just got my coaching from Dad, you know, being on the sideline when I played and um, telling me to do this and that. Um, but I just felt, because I didn't have a good background in coaching um, from someone that knows, <laughs> it might have made a difference for me in tennis, yeah.
2: Yeah, your dad thought it was best that you came to New Zealand to pursue your tennis career how old were you then? Was it seventeen? Yeah, I
1: was seventeen at the time, and it was for me it was too late and I shouldn't have thought like that, but the fact of the matter is <laughs> um I was too old to get the, the the professional tennis i I don't know um I didn't go through it i it may have been different and I didn't taste it but but uh when unfortunately when I got to auckland and of course it was in the headlines and the papers in Rarotonga that I was going to New Zealand to get professional coaching and, um, and I would make it big. Um, so I went there, unfortunately got there and my auntie and uncle are retired, retired couple and, and they didn't get around and they didn't have a vehicle. So I had to wait for the people that was supposed to, um, to pick me up and take me through all the the arrangements. But that went down the wayside and um, so I was stuck in Auckland. I got one phone call and that was it. Um, So I was stuck there for about a couple of months and and my dad uh, came over to Auckland to go with the um, Cook Islands um, Commonwealth Games team to Christchurch. He was the manager at the time. Um, so and I was at my auntie and uncle's home um, doing nothing. So um, so he was so upset, and of course um, it was a, it would have been embarrassing for us if I had to come back with him uh, with yes. nothing. Well, especially tea. with those newspaper headlines, a lot oh, of a lot of pressure. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and especially our people, you know, and they had high hopes for me. But then if I had come back, it would have been disappointment, and would have been embarrassing for both of us. For my family, you know, for my my dad and mum, so <clears throat> the next plan was to to send me to Wellington to stay with my one of my siblings. Lo and behold, I got there just in time for the netball season. Um,
2: Nineteen seventy
1: four. Seventy four. Nineteen seventy four. Mm. Yeah. So she took me along to the first. Uh, netball trials and of course cold and yucky. You know me coming from from beautiful Rarotonga warm. Oh, it didn't appeal to me, but I went along and trialed and I got into the um, into the top team for the Pacific Island Churches mm. Team Club. Yeah, um, they were mostly Samoans and uh, there were some Pakehas and a few Rarotongans. My sister and cousins and all. Um, so got into that team. And at the time, they were only second grade, not in the prems. Everybody played together up at Thai Courts. Um, so I think it, it just took off from there. Up until that point,
2: how serious had you actually been about netball? At the
1: start, I wasn't until I played and watched all these New Zealand silver ferns. I was just watching all these top players in Wellington in the in the prem side, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, we need our team needs to get into that level. Um, so we we won the competitions for the second grade. The first first year we won it, and then the second year we won. We played the relegation promotion game, and of course, Bridget, we started winning the competition of the prem, the premiers from from then on, and of course, I started getting quite serious then about it although I kept ringing my dad and saying look dad I'm I'm playing netball at the moment and I'm really enjoying it and I think I think I can make it to the top and uh, and he says oh what about our tennis Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I said oh dad I I I think I'm enjoying this a bit more than than the tennis he says look you know still try your tennis and of course I I listen I always listen to my dad and he's never wrong so I played tennis Uh, and I went along and played at the Wellington courts and of course while all the pros were away and all the top tennis players were away I made it into the Wellington side just for one year Um, so we went away and played and uh, of course I wasn't good enough for them because I didn't have the, the the coaching that I really needed so I came back and went back into my netball and i thought oh this is really good i'm really enjoying this and i'm meeting a lot of people and um and i think this is the one for me which is netball so we i made the um the wellington under 20 team the first year in 1974 and then of course the following year i made it into the wellington side and then 75 lois spotted me at one of the tournaments and I got my first trial for for New Zealand mm. in 1975. When I attended the trials uh, with all these girls from all all, all, all the provincial sides, um, they looked so good to me, and and I thought, oh, I'm not going to make this. But anyway, I, I played, and my dad surprised me. Uh, he he arrived, he came and watched me at the trials. Oh, really? So um, mm. yes, he did because he's <laughs> keeping a watchful eye. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you're going to get into this fight. So I played, and um, then the team got announced. That at that time, they were going to the world champs in Auckland in 75. Um, so for me, I already suspected that Lois had her team. You know, she'd had the team. She was just having some trials to see if there were any uh, new talents around. So she had a core group. So um, it was funny, Bridget, I was sitting, we had the Nationals also. After the, the Nationals, we came and watched one of the games that New Zealand played in Auckland uh, Courts. And I was sitting in the stand it, was, uh, stand, it was quite funny. Some of the crowd was behind me. They didn't realise that was sit, me sitting in front of them. And they said, oh, just wait, just wait. When that island girl comes in, New Zealand's going to win. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> That was really funny, and and I just cringed. You know, I cringed in my seat and um, and just watched. But, of course, the island girl didn't show up because she was not in the team. She was just a non-travelling reserve. And, of course, being named as a non-travelling reserve was, was uh, enough achievement for me at the time. But, you know, my dad, we sat down and he said to me, you, you needed to get in that team, And I said, that's okay, Dad. I, one day I will get in. And he says, what about our tennis? You know, that was the second time he asked me that. Uh, unfortunately, there was no um, Silver Ferns team in 76 and 77. Well, you know, Bridget, those days.
2: Yeah, those international tests, we were quite few and far between.
1: That's mm. correct. So from, from 74 till before uh, 78, yes, I, I set a target and I and I set a goal and I thought, no, I, I need to get into this side. So um, so I went along and um, I was very confident. So when the team was announced, I, I was very happy about that.
2: Mm. You were 22 and you became the first Cook Islander and the first Pacific Islander to play for the Silver Ferns. You and your family must have been so
1: proud of that. Over the moon, Bridget, I, I rang my dad straight away. So I rang him and I said, hey, Dad, um, we've just had trials. And he says, yeah. And I said, oh, well, I made it. And he said, oh, good, very good. Uh, what about our tennis? Bridget, that was the third time. <laughs> that was the third time. Yeah. And I said, Enough I said, already with the tennis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm 22 now uh, let's let's just forget about maybe your grandchildren will will uh, will do that so anyway he was very very happy and of course my mum was was so happy yeah. yeah.
2: I think you are one of only a few Silver Ferns that have been to three Netball World Cups. The first one was when the Silver Ferns shared the title with Trinidad and Tobago and Australia. Uh, And quite early in your Silver Ferns career, you ruptured an Achilles. And the birth of your first child took you out of competition in 1982, with many expecting retirement. I found a clip in the archives when you were reflecting on your career.
0: My dad was the first person that was in tears because uh, he thought that was the end of my career. Probably because he said to me, "Well, that's it. You, you're not going to get back into it." And uh, it's probably a test for me. And I wanted to prove to him that he was wrong. And I thought, no, um, you know, if you have babies, that's not the end of it. So I, I proved it to them. Then I had, um, I, I did my Achilles, and uh, and he said, "Oh, well, that's it then." And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to come back. So he, I proved him wrong also at,
2: at that. <laughs> so you keep proving <laughs> your dad wrong. Um, <laughs> w- w- was it quite yeah. rare, was it rare back then to come back to the sort ferns level after having a baby?
1: Yes, I believe it was, mm. um, because I'm trying to think who was the others that came back and had family. But, yes, it was quite rare. So I proved it to to young mums that, you know, although you're going to have kids and and have injuries, um, that you are able to come back if you put your mind to it. I, I was only, uh, I mean, I was at a stage where I could still get carry on uh, and I felt that I could do that. So... So that's why I, I, I wanted to prove my dad wrong and um, and come back after after having Lucy, Luciana, and then after having that operation to my Achilles. So yeah.
2: So the 1983 Netball World Championship in Singapore resulted in a bit of a a tough loss to Australia in your final match of the tournament. You finished runners-up, but I think as a result of that, you were very driven over the next four years. The side developed a harder edge, and the Silver Ferns became pretty unstoppable over the next four years, winning the 1985 World Games title in England, and then, of course, the Netball World Cup title, 1987. That side, 1987, and that win at the World Championships in Glasgow um, it has gone down as, as one of the greatest moments in New Zealand, netball.
1: What are your memories from, from that? The match against Australia, I was on the side. I played and then I I came back on in the last few minutes and we won that. So we had to go into the finals, which was we won outright. So, yeah, that, that was... That was a, a, a good finishing to to quite a few of us that retired after that those games. But yeah, after the 83 games, I thought we're gonna get revenge. Yeah. <laughs> we wanna finish this 87 <laughs> game. We have to. Yeah, we were talking, Marg and I and um, and all the other girls, Lee Gibbs and the others. We said we've got to win because we knew, all of us, we knew that would be our last year. So we thought, nope. This is the plan. We're we're going to win this eighty-seven game. So, and and we did that because the build-up was really good. But we came out very very strong in that year, and that was very pleasing. And that was that was just the icing on the cake for for a lot of us. Yeah. Mm. I
2: was wondering during your Silver Ferns career, were any of those games televised back in the Cook Islands? Were your family able to watch those games?
1: Ah, unfortunately, no. Um, but I managed to to get some, uh, not the DVDs, not the, the cassettes, you know, the… Um, videotapes. The schools. Yeah, videotapes. Yeah, yeah, those. I managed to get some of those um, to send to my dad. And, and of course, I sent everything to my dad, you know, even my uniforms that, that weren't used again. I'd send everything to him, the photos and everything. And, you know, Bridget, when you send something like the video um, cassettes you send at home, it goes from one household to another household, another household, and then it gets lost. Yeah. And somebody's <laughs> obviously kept it for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> So dad never got them, but he he got a library of it, and then when I went back, he says, "Oh, I don't know, somebody borrowed it and and hasn't brought it back." So, but then later on, some of the highlights were being um, televised through. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they they didn't see whole games of uh, of, of of when I played. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you retired from the Silver Ferns at the end of that World Cup in 1987 to spend more time with your family. Then you became player coach for PIC, took them to the top of the National League, winning the Swiss May League in 1988, beating Auckland's ASB Collegiate in the final. Most didn't give you a look in that year, given you didn't even qualify for the league in 87. Let's have a listen to audio from after that win, which is also a good excuse to hear Yvonne Willering from back in the day, who was player coach of the opposition, that year
0: brilliant yeah i feel really good and tired well i did before but i've wound down now so i feel really good and and uh it's just great for PNC you know that we didn't think we'd be ever be, get there to the final and we just wanted to be in the top four and uh well it just happened but while matanga was understandably enthused collegiate's player coach yvonne willering was despondent about the way her side got it all together on the day I wouldn't exactly say I'm excited about the whole thing Um, the team, I was pleased in the fact that they did produce quite a fight back but I was disappointed in the fact we didn't stick to game plans we were supposed to come out hard and strong in the first quarter PIC did it instead and we were caught having to chase them and really that's a very hard way to go Um, at the third and fourth quarter um, I could see that we had the determination to fight back but I think PIC learned from our last encounter and they weren't going to have the same thing happen that happened last time and so full credit to them
2: uh, Maggie, a really nice um, way for you to finish with PIC, your, your final year with PIC, before you move your ba- family back to the Cook Islands in 1989?
1: Yes. Uh, after retiring, I, um, I came back to, to Rarotonga uh, to be with, the, with both our parents who were still alive. So um, it was always Dad's dream that, that I do come home and um, look after the land and look after them, but perhaps uh, his main aim was that uh, I do come back and, um, and, and take over the, the Cook Islands netball team mm-hmm. and also work for government. So uh, we came back, moved the family, and of course my husband is a motor mechanic and he had plans as well to set up a business back home.
2: And you took the team, didn't you? You became player coach of the Cook Islands national team, and at the nineteen ninety one World Championships, you finished fifth. That was a pretty remarkable result,
1: wasn't it? Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that would go for a fourth World Tournament? But you know, at the time, I still I was still uh, okay to do that. Um, and coach player, it was a bit difficult, but uh, yeah, it was achieved. That tournament in ninety one was. Was excellent, and that was that was so good for the Cook Islands. And coming fifth uh, was the biggest achievement that that the, the country had. Mm. There
2: is another clip I found in the archives. You were known for always playing with a big smile on your face on court, and sometimes even laughing.
0: Well, you've got to have a bit of humour, I guess, and uh, you've got to. Um... Like when you're on the court, you've got to respect the players, respect the umpires, and, and, and I, I tried extra, extra, extra to be nice to umpires. And because uh, I, I, I thought uh, every time you did that, they, they'd always be on your side. They'll say, Oh, that's a nice girl. You know, I want for of us. <laughs> that was the trick I had right from the start.
2: So, Margie, you <laughs> played your career with a smile and a bit of a laugh, and uh, it worked well for you.
1: oh I don't know I don't know I just love people I I love uh, I love being around people so so it's nice to give a smile to anyone Um, yeah playing playing because I enjoy playing and uh, and I enjoy playing with my mates and if they play well then I give them a smile and I always compliment them and yeah I, I don't know it's no good playing angry because you won't play well